0: This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to the July edition of One Month to a Better Compliance Program. This month, we're going to focus on One Month to Better Internal Controls. This month's sponsor is Workiva, and first, I'd like to have a word from our sponsor. Thanks, Tom. Workiva delivers a modern internal control solution that connects risk and internal control information across the enterprise. The WS cloud platform is collaborative, powerful, and intuitive and optimizes documentation, testing, approval, and reporting processes. The platform is proven to increase productivity and drive better decision making and is used by more than 2,800 organizations worldwide for financial reporting and ICFR processes. To learn more, visit www.workheva.com. Over the next month, I'm going to explore several topics related to internal controls. We're going to take a look at what internal controls are and how they relate to a best practices compliance program. I'm going to help you understand how to design an internal controls regime for compliance and then some of the specific internal controls for the functional disciplines within a corporate compliance program. We're going to take a look at the COSO 2013 framework around internal controls and explain how that integrates into your best practices compliance program. I think it'll be a fascinating uh, month for you. We'll certainly uh, explore the area of internal controls in depth. This podcast, One Month to a Better Compliance Program, is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Day 10, Internal Controls for Third Parties. Over the next few days, I'm going to be taking a look at some specific uses of internal controls in a best practices compliance program. I'm going to start today with third parties. The reason I'm going to start with third parties is they are the highest risk of any FCPA compliance program, and so it's generally the risk that companies need to attempt to remediate first. Today, I'm going to look at this in a couple of different ways. The first one is I'm going to take a look at the... GSK in China case because I think it provides some really good examples of failures of internal controls around third parties. Then I'm going to give you a list of uh, some specific questions that you can go through uh, to ask to determine if you have uh, sufficient internal controls for third parties. And then I'm going to review the lifecycle five-step process for managing a third party because those are all internal controls as well. So GSK in China, in 2014, GlaxoSmithKline received a uh, fine of nearly uh, $489 million. that was levied by Chinese court for its bribery and corruption in China. The um, case really turned on the complete total and utter failure of the company to manage its corruption program in China there were uh, numerous examples of payments made to uh, nearly $500 million in payments made to corrupt Chinese officials. So what were the appropriate internal controls? You might think of a company as large as GlaxoSmithKline and one that had gone through the ringer of a prior Department of Justice investigation into charges for off-label marketing and an attendant corporate integrity agreement might have such controls in place. If it was not for the types of bribery and it, indeed, it is not as if the types of bribery in China were not well known. The nuts and bolts of uh, how bribery occur in China are well known. The systemic problem and foreign pharmaceutical company issues are certainly a conundrum. It's not a choice there because health ministries, hospital administrators, and doctors demanded it. There was the direct incentives and indirect incentives model, and GlaxoSmithKline did not have controls around either of these. The companies paid out enormous sums in sales expenses, including travel costs and fees for sales meetings, marketing and business development, and other expenses. Most of the large expenses and travel costs and meeting fees were (coughs) several multiples of the net profits each company company earned each year. It would be reasonable to to expect that internal controls over gifts would be designated to ensure that all gifts satisfy the corporate requirements uh, under the GSK compliance program. It should fall to a compliance practitioner to finalize and approve the definition of permissible and non-permissible gifts, travel, and entertainment, and internal controls would follow from such definitions or criteria set by the company. These criteria would include the amount of the spend localized down to the increased risk with a higher risk recognized in China. Within this context, I would suggest four specific internal controls. Is the correct level of person approving the payment or the reimbursement for the expense? Are there specific controls and sign-offs that the GIFT had a proper business purpose? Are the controls regarding gifts sufficiently preventative rather than relying on detect controls? And if the controls are not followed, how is the failure detected? Now, moving from the internal controls example, or the failure, rather, of GlaxoSmithKline, I'm going to give you 10 questions that you can utilize in the third-party area around internal controls. So, one, do you conduct a regular risk assessment? Because a risk assessment is part of your internal controls. Prior to entering a relationship, did management confirm alignment with its business strategy of the third parties, analyze strategic risk, perform risk-reward analysis, and review its ability to adequately oversee and manage the third party on an ongoing basis? Two. Can the third party's activities be viewed as predatory, discriminatory, abusive, unfair, or deceptive to any customers in the geographic area it's located? Three, does the company's compliance system include policies and procedures to help manage third-party relationships, proper internal controls, training, monitoring, auditing procedures to ensure consistent and ongoing compliance? Four, was adequate due diligence performed on the third parties who were signed on to work for the company. This can conclude a wide variety of reviews. Five. Are the expectations and obligations of the third parties outlined in a written contract prior to entering the relationship? Six. Does the Board of Directors review any material third-party relationships or at least a compliance oversight committee? Seven does the contract outline fees to be paid reports audit rights limited uh, other limitations dispute resolution and indemnity eight did the board or rather did the compliance committee the compliance oversight committee which handles third party third parties review the operational financial performance of the third party on an ongoing basis? Nine, is there a process to verify third parties' operations, and are they consistent with the written agreement, and are the risks controlled going forward? And ten, does management, senior management, allocate sufficiently qualified staff to monitor the third party relationships going forward? So if you think about that in terms of the five-step process of life cycle management of third parties. Do you have a business justification? Was a questionnaire completed? Is there due diligence performed and was that due diligence analyzed and signed off on? Is there a contract in place with the appropriate terms and conditions? And then did you manage ma- manage the relationship after the contract was signed? So within those five steps, you can ask those questions. You can clearly see the failures of GSK. So what are today's three key takeaways? I can't emphasize enough the failure of GlaxoSmithKline in China. It would appear that a complete total and utter breakdown of internal controls with no sufficient oversight from the corporate office. Two. Do not forget the five-step life cycle of third-party management and how each one of those steps acts as a separate internal control, and then you have sub-internal controls within each step. And finally, do not forget the four key internal controls that I articulated which are is the correct level of person approving the payment or reimbursement are there specific controls and sign-offs that the gifts travel and entertainment have business purpose are controls regarding gifts sufficiently preventative rather than relying on detect controls and four if controls are not followed is the failure detect. this is tom fox thank you very much for listening to day 10 of one month To more effective internal controls and I hope you This is Tom Fox again. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of One Month to Better Internal Controls. If you've listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate this podcast as it would help in our rankings the word out about the only one month podcast series which enables you to design, implement, and enhance a better compliance program. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you'll join us again tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.